podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter attack. His debut drop back. And now Kidney in the middle. Drop a goal. Stretch it. Stretch it. Stretch it. Hello, hello, welcome to another episode of Touchline Fracker Chessy Hour. I'm your host for today, Shemi. I'm joined by two fine gentlemen this evening. Jay, how you doing, my bro? Oh, good, my brother. Are you saying good, Yeah, I'm good, bro. I'm last one before. I can't complain, man. Timson, bro, how you doing? Blessings. It's always a pleasure to be on. Yes, yes. I, I, like, I like the team today. It's uh, it's intimate. It's knowledgeable. I think we're going to have a good one. <laughs> um, cool. So, uh, quick housekeeping, guys. Make sure you um, hashtag Touchline Fracker um, or at Chelsea at Chelsea Hour um, any, on any thoughts of the episode. Um, Discord, I'm, I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I've been active in Discord myself, but don't worry, guys, I'm coming. But yeah, make sure you get active in Discord, um, as Dan and Lewis are always saying. And do YouTube as well. We've um, uploaded some clips of the main pod from Sunday. Some really good clips, actually. I watched them back. Um, the pod included myself and Lewis and Mariah. So be sure to check that out. And yeah, let's get started. So, guys, uh, we played Krasnodar on Tuesday night. Uh, it was a dead rubber game. We'd already qualified. We'd already topped the group. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I wasn't invested in the game. I barely watched it. I had it on my iPad, but I was more invested in uh, Messi and Ronaldo and seeing the blood of my enemies in United. 
But um, <laughs> yeah, so guys, to be perfectly honest, I was not invested in the game. I watched it here and there. So um, give me give me a, a rundown on the game. Um, so we'll talk about the performance in a minute as a team, but let's talk about some individuals. So obviously Lampard switched it up, well, a lot of changes, because obviously, like we said, we've already qualified, already top of the group, brought in a lot of youngsters, the likes of Gilmore, the likes of Andrian. Um, so yeah, um, Timpson, obviously, because you're the... You're the, you're, the, you're the academy the academy guy along with Palumi in the in the in the group. So talk to me, talk to me. Who impressed you on um on Tuesday night? Um Gilmore Andrian, were you impressed by them? What was your thoughts when you saw them starting? Yeah, give me a little rundown. Pleasantly surprised to see Tino starting. Obviously, ideally it would have been nice to see him in a more central role, whether it be as an eight or a ten. Uh ultimately he impressed well. Obviously, people say that um some people would I thought were a bit harsh and said that um, he was slow, but mm. he's not a left winger at all. So just keep that in mind. He's not a left winger and um, this is his first start for Chelsea Football Club and he only grew into the game. And I think he was our second best player on the night. Obviously, Billy Gilmore, really, really impressive. Man of the match tells you pretty much what it was. Um, if you look at the midfield in isolation, Kovacic, Jorginho, Gilmore... There was only one person who looked like they were going to create something um, <laughs> in the field for, for Tammy, who had obviously an off night to score. Mm. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Jay, um, quick question on, on Andrian. Um, have you have you seen much of Andrian before um, Tuesday night? And when you saw him when you saw him starting left wing, what was your thoughts? Because obviously, as T- Timpson touched on, um, he's number eight. Ideally, he's a central midfield player. So when you saw him playing left wing, what was your thoughts? And how do you think he fared in that position? Yeah, I think. Um... My first thoughts were obviously like massive occasion for him, massive achievement to obviously start in a Champions League game. Um, like it being one of his first starts for like his first start for Chelsea, Chelsea Football Club at senior level. Like obviously, it's just all it's all about just getting on the pitch and and you know play getting some minutes with the first team players and stuff like that. So I understood, you know, he might be played out of position. I get that, but I also understood as well that I wasn't going to see the best of him because I have watched him at um, academy level like in the under 23s and stuff like that and he, and he looks obviously so much better when he's in the middle I think mm. playing him left wing especially with like um, Tammy up front and um, uh, who was on the right it was Havertz in it I think Havertz was, yeah, on, the was right. on the right I think um, a lot of the time when Andrew was getting the ball he was looking for a lot of movement from, from Tammy especially to try mm-hmm. and kind of get like a lot of give and goes and stuff like that because that's what he's probably used to a little bit more in the middle and out in the left wing it's more of like um there's a lot more individuality needed like when you're on the left wing like he's not really that kind of player in terms of dribbling past three or four guys and getting the ball in the box and stuff like that he's more link up with linking up with the players around him and stuff like that and and from what I've seen of him even when he does make those runs through on goal he's all he's almost kind of like bulldozing his way through and he wasn't really going to do that in in that position one and in probably that kind of level at, at, at this current time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel so, you. Um, it was always going to be difficult for him at the beginning, but I do agree with Timson when he says like he grew into the game because I think what I'm talking about in terms of linking up with players, I think he, sh- he started to do that a lot more in the second half. And I think there was one move where he almost kind of got through on goal. I think he linked up with um, Tammy first. Then No, I think he linked up with, who came on? Did Giroud come on? Yeah, Giroud came on late in the I game. Giroud came on and, and he linked up yeah. with Giroud and Giroud um, laid it off for him and then he knocked it into Werner and Werner tried to lay, lay it off for him and he just about just about um, missed, missed getting on the end of it. But mm. 
Luka had a shot on goal, kind of tame one, but it, it, it um, went like trickled, trickled through to the keeper. But he he definitely looked confident. I think that was the best thing about Andrew on the night was that he looked confident. He didn't look out of place. Um, similar to like Gilmore when he when he came in for that game against Liverpool, for example, like he just settled in straight away. Didn't look out of place, and I think that's the best best compliment for the for the academy players at the moment. Like when they're coming into the first team, they're just not looking phased at all, which is only which is only a good thing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a credit to our, our academy, to be fair. A lot of the time when they do come in, they, they don't look phased and they, they, they play with a lot of freedom. Um, yeah, uh, Cho's debuts, um, Loftus-Cheek when he came in, when he was coming in under um, under Gus Hiddink. Um, Gilmore, as you said, I think he's got three men in the matches now since yeah, he's, like, since, ever since he's come in. Tamori, Tammy, like Tamori, Tammy, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, they look really good, look really confident, <laughs> and they, they they really don't look out of place at all. So mm. for me, it's just exciting to 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 think about like even some of the players that are out on loan coming back as well, and yeah. how they're going to fare in the first team if they do get a chance. It's just it's exciting times for the academy at the moment. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man, definitely. I want to touch on, I want to go back to Gilmore real quick here. Yeah. So, um, Timson, obviously, um, the Chelsea fan base, the group chat particularly, were seemed, were very vocal about Kovacic and Jorginho's performances. Obviously, you've touched on the fact that Gilmore was the only one that I was looking to create. <laughs> that was funny. Um, so, yeah, what did you like about Gilmore's performance against Krasnodar? And also, um, considering um, the fact that, obviously, there seems to be, Every game, the opinions on Jorginho and Kova just seems to be going back and forth, and it's just like it's just like no one's really sure whether they want them. One minute they do, one minute they don't. So how? So going forward, how do you see Gilmore's role in terms of potentially pre- replacing one of them, or do you see him as just um, backup? What are your thoughts? I feel like Billy has elements um, comparative to each of them in terms of his ability to uh, begin play from deep. Um, his ability to retain the ball um, and uh, kind of move it quickly. And also on top of that, he has that ability. He has that um, X factor that the other two, you could say, lack in the sense that he's a lot more proactive. Um, He's more expansive with his passing in comparison to Kovacic. Um, I think it, I think it depends on his position. If you're looking at, um, I think Jorginho, Jorginho's like finished. I think he's on borrowed time at this point in time anyway. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you really like, do you actually think that? Is in borrowed time as in, in the starting lineup or just altogether at Chelsea Football Club? I mean, he's not even in the starting lineup. The starting to line be up. fair, yeah, he's not, he doesn't even start. So I don't know what I was talking about there. But So you mean generally at Chelsea, you think he's on borrowed time? I mean, when they're looking at the likes of Declan Rice and mm. Kante's having the renaissance um, in that lone DM role, um, you find it hard to him for him for Declan Rice to dislodge him. And even if by some opportunities he turns into um, White Makaleli, um and dislodges Kante, it just means that he Kante drops down and he bumps off Jorginho. Because obviously Jorginho was one of those players that they were... Um, not they were so, somewhat disappointed to kind of not be able to shift in the transfer window. Um so he's like he they wanted him gone. They were happy for him to go. So um he's for me he's on borrowed time. But in regards to Gilmore's role, um he can play as that eight. He can also play as that six. Personally I would rather um an absolute like your job is purely defensive but you can add value on the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, Gilmore gives you Gilmore gives you a lot um 
going forward, but probably not as much as, say, like a Zakaria or even a Declan Rice would give you on the defensive end. So just to eliminate any trace of that regista that's kind of like scattered the fan base, I'd rather, or a deep line playmaker, I'd rather we just go, this is going to be a more defensive midfielder, but he can play, he can ball a little bit as well. Mm. So I'd rather really look at becoming like an eight, to be honest. So you, you'd rather target an out-and-out defensive DM, that's what I'm saying, yeah? As opposed to like deep players and just to replace Jorginho instead of like a deep line playmaker. Yeah, there's guys on loan I would rather have in the squad than Jorginho, to be honest. Cool, cool. Jay, I know you're not a big fan of Jorginho. Um, mm. it, given how obviously Gilmore's performed like when he's come in, would, if you were the manager, would you have him ahead of Jorginho in the pecking order? Or how do you see things? Yeah. I think obviously um, where you guys have obviously joined this 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 year, um, you wasn't you wasn't here when um, obviously Gilmore when we were discussing Gilmore's yeah. performance against, uh, when he first came in for Liverpool. But I was like, a massive fan of Gilmore from from early from very early on, and the reason why was because I just saw a lot of the things that Jorginho had. I just felt like there wasn't that uh, there was hardly anything that that Gilmore, you know, was lacking apart from. You could argue maybe just the experience of 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 that one touch game that you know Jorginho is so good at in terms of he he does he is pretty good at knowing um, his options before he gets the ball. I think he's actually a genius at doing that. Yeah. The only problem is when he when he gets surrounded by players very quickly, like when he's getting pressed or um, he he can, he can work himself out of the press. But when another team kind of swarms him, that's when you really start to see Jorginho struggle. Um, yeah. And like there was even a time in the match against Krasnodar where I think like my man was just trying to turn out of some a little bit of trouble and he just fell over like because he just, yeah 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 that was embarrassing he was so flimsy <laughs> so and like so much agility like he just can't get out of those situations and I remember even against Arsenal if you remember Arsenal when we won two one um, he come on and he changed the game fair enough but there was even a, an incident where he should he nearly should have got sent off because again he's just so flimsy so easy to pass him that he's just left in no man's land at the end of the day. Like it's, It happens so often. And I just feel with Gilmore, because he's got that extra little bit of flair where he, you know, he can do that little, like what he did to Fabinho in the Liverpool game where he can just, you know, nuts a man if he needs to, or he can, he does a little pivot, like a little chavy pivot. He's mm. got that agility to do that. Um, and that's what I said in the group. I was like, agility wise, Billy Gilmore is much better. I think clear, aggressive, yeah. aggressiveness as well, like aggression in his game, much mm-hmm. better. You, I think you don't remember when he was diving into t- challenges against Curtis Jones and and them mm. guys in that Liverpool game. Like he's not he's not afraid. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think Jorginho is afraid, but it's more of a thing where sometimes he's just not capable. So mm. we're left in like, we're left in a little bit of a dilemma there because it's like you've got a guy that's trying hard, but his body just doesn't allow him to do the things that he probably needs to do as quick or as as you know aggressive as strong. So all in all, I think Gilmore is the guy to kind of come and dislodge Jorginho. But at the same time, the the, the problem is, with I know Timson just said he'd, he'd prefer to see him as like an eight. But my thing is, when I've watched Jorginho play at this level, like ever since he's come up to this level, he hasn't really looked good in that position. What's this level, Champions League? Like just with the first team in terms of like um, yeah, Prem or... Champions League. Like, oh, wait, are you, talk, wait, are you talking about Gilmore or are you talking about... Gilmore, Gilmore. Gilmore. Oh, Gilmore. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah cool. as, like Gilmore, because um, Timson said like he'd, he'd prefer to see him as an eight and I get why mm. he said that as well. But um, 
with, with Gilmore right now, when he plays in the first team, a lot of the time, if you watch him, he's dropping very deep, even in the Krasnodar game. Even yeah. though Jordino was there, if you watch Gilmore, he's dropping deep, deeper and deeper and deeper to try and get hold of the ball. And I think him playing in that deep role, it does suit him because he's so he demands the ball so much. He likes to get on the ball. Um, he likes to, you know, he's got urgency in his game as well, where he gets the ball and he punches a passer really quickly. I like that about him. But when yeah. he starts to get further up the pitch, my thing is, I, I don't know. I'm I'm yet to see him be very effective in that role. That's a that's a nice that's a nice caveat into what I wanted to kind of quickly get onto before we wrap up on um the Krasnodar game. So with Gilmore, obviously I like him a lot. I think he's a really good player. You guys have kind of spoke on spoke on his agility and his aggressiveness. Obviously his passing as well. My thing is, yeah, with, with Gilmore, like everyone everyone always remembers that the Liverpool game, the Everton game when he came in the Premier League as well, we'll and obviously. Yeah, no one talks about the Leicester game. Yeah, that's what Leicester saying. game. I was like, I was scared. Like his, I, I think his lack of athlete, his lack of athleticism on transition, it, it it looks almost similar to Jorginho in a sense. Like, and I think there was one instance against Krasnodar where on transition he was trying to get back, and it didn't look like he had the athleticism to get back. And I think playing in that eight role as Timpson kind of. Um, would like him to see him there. I think that could be an issue because I thought I think I, correct me if I'm wrong against Leicester. I think he played in that more advanced yeah, role. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. Yeah. So yeah. so on the transition, I feel like yeah, I'm a bit worried. And his physicality as well because he's not very he's not very tall and he's not he's not he's not very big. So he's not so like sh- strength wise, physicality is not it's not all there. Similar to Jorginho. So I feel like we they might have similar um, deficiencies. But as you said, Jay, I agree with the fact that because he's more agile. And he's a bit more—he's a bit more fluid with his movement on the ball. He can work his way out of situations better than Jorginho. But on the running side of the game, I feel like they have got similar deficiencies. Yeah, I can't lie. Yeah. yeah. Can I just add in the caveat that Billy yep. is nineteen years old? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course, he is nineteen years old. So a lot of these deficiencies um, can be worked on, can be improved. And um, when you said, obviously, he couldn't get back, he got beaten when he was in the advanced role. Wouldn't you prefer? Wouldn't you prefer he he was one of the two eights? Because when he gets beat and it doesn't look like he can get back, at least you have a Kante or a Declan Rice or whoever else sits in that position um, to at least slow slow up the attack. Yeah, that's a good point. If he's if he's been bypassed, then the defense is spread wide. Like, do yeah. you know what I mean? And if Very it's if, it, if it's if it's a backup defense, which it will probably be as we rotate in the season, because I don't see Billy kind of starting ahead of um, Money Mace or Kai when Kai is fully in the swing of things. Yeah. Um, it will be a B team. So um, yeah. if he gets bypassed and a defense is breaking um, and and a defense is breaking on the likes of Rudiger and Christensen. You'll see, like if you could see my TV watching that, watching that scene unfold, it will be like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It will be like hands over face, like. Yeah, just mm. to add to just to add to what you're saying as well. Like, I, I hear you 100 in terms of like you'd rather have someone behind Billy so that he does have that kind of safety net there if if those things are happening. But at the same time as well, what I will say is like Havertz has played in that eight role obviously recently, and um, there's been times where he's even lost the ball and he's no slouch. Athletic, like in terms of athleticism, you know, he's got the height, he's got the pace, he's got the strength. But even him losing the ball in that eight role has sometimes, you know, kind of punished us already. I think we saw it against West Brom. We saw it against, um, I think he even lost it against Southampton. I think it was Southampton as well. Yeah. Like there's times where he's lost the ball and we've seen it affect us, even though we've got Kante there, it's still 
you know, affected us in a way. So, like, could you imagine, like, you imagine if Gilmore was there as well and, and yeah. those things are happening, it's, it's, there's, there's probably more than likely going to be problems as well. But yeah. I don't I don't disagree that he, he can play there, though. I, I definitely think it's a thing of you just have to set, set the team up in a way where, you know, he's, he's most effective at the end of the day. But yeah. we're blessed because I think he's such an intelligent footballer that he can do both role, uh, both roles. So he could play in the Jorginho role, in the deep line playmaker role, if it was a B team or whatever. Or he can play in the eight if we probably need him to. And like you said, in 19, so I don't think there's anything to be too, too worried about at the moment. But um, yeah, you just hope. Cool. Jay, cool, cool, cool. Um, just, to, just to follow, just to add to two quick things. Um, yeah. Havertz is there was an article that came out about Havertz and how he loses the ball in terms of his um his loss of possession per 90 is like 2.17 compared to Kovacic's 0.98 so it's um Kovacic is not exactly a sprinter himself mm. so when he um he just doesn't lose it as often yeah. so I think once we work on the ball retention same um, it will come good with Havertz and it will come good with Billy yeah, yeah. and because of Billy's age um there's no, there's no, there's no rush to make a decision on if he's a six or an eight. Agreed. That's that's a very good, very very good point. Very good point to finish off on that. So lads, um, obviously, as I said, um, beginning of the pod, we finished top of our group quite comfortably. Um, so looking at possible last last sixteen opponents, obviously you guys are aware of our poor knockout record. We haven't won a knockout game since twenty fifth. Is it twenty thirteen or something like that? I don't even. I think it's. Because we, yeah, we haven't won a knockout game for quite a long time. <laughs> long story short, quite a long time. So, um, obviously, um, looking at our possible knockout opponents, um, um, they are Atletico Madrid, Borussia, Mutant Gladbach, FC Porto, Atalanta, Lazio, Barcelona, and RB Leipzig. So, the question is, are, is there anyone in there that you're particularly worried about? Because I don't know, I'm looking at that list and I'm thinking, we're better than most of those teams. I think we can, over two legs, we can we can we can beat most of those teams. I think um, I would I would want to avoid Atletico, even though it's not the Atletico of old. I just still feel like their stubborn originess would would just would just frustrate me and it would really 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 frustrate us. Um, not to say that we can't beat them, but I'd I'd rather avoid them. Um, apart from that, I don't think there's too many others that I'd I'd be worried about. I think Leipzig Leipzig could cause us some problems too. Um, I think those are the only two teams I'd be worried about. You know, Barca. I watched Barca um, against Juventus and they were oh, they were so poor. Like they looked like they were on a serious decline, and um, I think we're better than the other the other three teams. So, um, what are you guys' thoughts? Do you um, are you are you guys confident about um, our last sixteen opponents? Do you think um, is there anyone you particularly want? Um, anyone you want to avoid? Timson, I'll start with you. No, I'd say that there's not one particular team that screams like, "Oh, this is a sure thing if we get them." Um, I would agree with you in the sense of Atleti is a team is probably the one team that uh, I'm hoping to avoid just for the fact that we've seen them frustrate teams that Simeone ball and then um, they've also added some some uh, a bit of more vim to their attack. Um, Jao Felix seems to have kind of found his feet now um, in in the squad. Uh, I don't know if Suarez is going to be if, if Suarez is about obviously Suarez would just love uh, just love a bit of shithousery 
Felix doesn't always start, though. To be fair, but yeah, continue. Yeah, I can't imagine him not starting in a game of this in a, in a Champions League game, though. No. But um, mm. even if he comes off like tired legs, whatever, he could just he he could just he just has that X factor that um, Simeone's sides haven't had in the past. But um, other than that, obviously the youth aficionado wouldn't mind seeing uh, getting a Porto, seeing Evan Nilsson up up close yeah. and personal. Um, obviously, seeing big Lily um, Marcus Turem um, for Gladbach would be an interesting thing, and obviously the rift of youngsters at Leipzig. Um, Barcelona would probably be one of the happier draws, just because it is like a low-key uh, fire going on right now. See, um, people say this, but I'm sorry. Whilst Messi's still at that club, I, I don't want them. Simple as they can be in as poor form or a dire situation as they want. I don't want to buck Messi. <laughs> it's that simple. But continue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're like Messi. If like, I feel like Messi is being dragged down by the rest of the team. Honestly, hundred percent, hundred percent. Watching them lose in La Liga, then watching them get absolutely washed by Juventus, it was <sighs> peak. Yeah, so there's just to summarize. Yeah, Atleti would be the only would be the only team I would I would actively seek to avoid. Um, other than that, I fancy our chances against anyone. I'd, I'd be very confident of progressing. Yeah, yeah. I think people seem to underestimate finishing top. I know we finished up, we finished top in the past, and still drawn the likes of PSG and um, and Barcelona. But um, this season, if we had um, finished second, our possible opponents would have been Bayern, Real Madrid, um, Dortmund, Juventus, and PSG. So I'm 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 very happy that we finished we finished second. Uh, sorry, I'm very happy that we finished top. Um, this year and we're, and we're able to draw um, a second place team from the other groups um, Jay can we get a quick prediction of who you think will draw my prediction I think we'll draw I'm hoping and I think we'll draw Porto I think we've got quite a bit of history with Porto we've played them quite a few times in the Champions League so that's my prediction Jay what's yours if you have one I think we might buck Atalanta you know think so okay that's a dodgy picture by the way that's a very dodgy one i think after atletico and after um leipzig atalanta are the ones that the next ones that i wouldn't want to play as well i just say i feel like pretty confident mainly because of the way we've 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 gone up against teams that like even i know Leeds are not the quality of some of these teams but i think even if a Leeds bucked like a porto they would give them a hard time with like their overload and attack. And I'm just, I've just been really impressed with the way we've dealt with teams that can really hold the ball well in terms of Sevilla with the first time we played them in the nil-nil. And then Leeds in terms of the way they kind of like, we'll talk about them later, but in terms of the way they overload and attack, we dealt with them very well as well. So like, I'm not really threatened by a lot of teams at the moment, just in the way that we've, we've just shown a range of ways to deal with different types of football at the moment. So um yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident in the Champions League at the moment. So good, good. Nice to have confidence all around. Um, and yeah, we'll see what happens. The draws on Monday, so fingers crossed, fingers crossed, we'll get a, a favorable draw. But Jay, you segued very nicely into the Leeds game. So, Mandem, I don't know about you yet, but after the Leeds game, I played in the group chat. I was I was very happy. I was very very satisfied. I mean, for me, as you as you just touched on quite rightly, Leeds 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 have been popping something. They haven't always got the result this season. Um, they're not very high on the table, to be fair. But they play some really, really good stuff and they create a lot of chances. They create a bag of chances. I saw some stat about them having something like 80 shots in the last, what was it, like four or five games, something like that. But yeah, they create a bag of chances. And um, I, 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 I knew they would score at Stamford Bridge and I was I was worried a little bit. I wasn't worried, like, I wasn't overly worried, but I knew they, they'd cause us some sort of problem. Well, I thought they'd cause us some sort of problem. But to see us limit them to so little... Um, 
was was very pleasing to see. And I think for me, as I said in the group chat and I tweeted as well, for me, the game management side was what impressed me the most because um, we've seen this team last season. We always look like, so particularly beginning of last season and post-lockdown, we always looked like we will score, no doubt. We had a little blip between Christmas and January where we were a bit toothless. But for the majority of the season last year, we we looked like we could score most games. But our problem was we also looked like we could concede most games and we couldn't really see out games and, and control games. I think the game that always sticks out in my head is Valencia away in the Champions League last season, the group, st- group stages where it was literally a shootout for the whole game. It's just like, that at that point, I knew we weren't ready to be a serious club. But when we faced Leeds and, um, you know, obviously we, we, we got the lead... Um, in the second half and we the, the way the whole game we were able to just limit them to, to so little chances it was very very pleasing to see and I was very very happy with the way we, we managed and controlled the game um, Jay what was your thoughts on the game overall um, yeah what was your thoughts on just overall on, on the game the lineup before we get into some um, individuals yeah no just quickly uh, over, overall I think um, it kind of went the way I thought it would go um, I knew Leeds were going to like overcommit a lot of players, like that's just their game. They like to overload an attack, um, especially on the wings. I felt like Ailing and um, Harrison, they've been really good um, since coming up and, and and starting the season. They've been major, major threats down the, down the flanks. And I just thought we, we, we nullified them quite well. There were times where, you know, if you watch the highlights, it looks like, oh, they got in behind, but our back line was so well organised. Like even when they looked like they'd, they'd got in, they were offside. So, um, I think we did deal with them quite well. You're always going to expect to probably, you know, concede a few chances against a team like Leeds, where they where they over like where they overload the attack because you know that's that's the whole reason they do it to, to kind of like you know carve out some chances even against a very good de- team defensively. But um, yeah, kind of jinxed ourselves with with, with Bamford scoring. Um, yeah, yeah. Mentioned, that, mentioned that he probably would have got a goal, but he, he ended up getting one. But even then, I felt like that was more to do with a lack of communication from us more than more than mm. him. But a good mm. finish from, from him, nonetheless, um, um, you can say. But overall, they just ended up leaving a lot of gaps, which is what happens when you overload an attack. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, just having players like Thiago at the back where the ball's coming, you know, the ball's coming down and he's just one touching, one touching. Oh, it brilliant. Yeah, it was brilliant. Them. Yeah, and yeah, just all round, we just looked, we looked really good. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, we definitely could have took more chances. Um, that's 100%. Yeah, we, we, we've all discussed that. Uh, I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about yeah, it. Yeah, we will, touch it. but I think, got, yeah. I think it's pleasing to see you, especially when, when the opposition manager praises how you performed. I think that's that's another pleasing thing to see, especially coming from someone, um, as high ilk as um, Marcelo Bielsa. Um, I thought another person that we nullified well was Calvin Phillips. I thought he yeah. could cause us some problems. Um, having watched him against Everton, where he just popped them from left, right, centre, everywhere, it was absolutely pete. Um, watched really him against Everton. Sorry, huh? it's just really impressive that we just um, mm. we, we outran them as well. And I mentioned Sevilla as well and how hard they worked um, in the nil-nil game. Like, they were working really hard. And I think we matched them that game, hence ending the nil-nil. Um and then we we've done the same against Leeds, but this time we we not only did we work harder than them, but we, we showed more more quality as well. And yeah, it was just it just leaves you with so much confidence for the future in terms of whoever we're playing. Do you know what I mean? Cool, yeah. Cool. So let's touch on some individuals. So um first of all, Havertz. So Havertz comes in, 
after a few weeks out of COVID, he played played well midweek against Seville, the game beforehand. But um, comes in against Leeds and looks very much off the pace. Um, yeah, just couldn't really get get grips with the game and looks quite quite. Yeah, just just generally off it. Um, Timson, what was your thoughts on Havertz? And um, are you are you in any way worried about um, maybe the effects of COVID? Having seen, you know, how Pogba suffered from it, I think he came out and spoke about it a little bit. I think even Havertz himself came out and spoke about it. He said that he couldn't get out of bed um, for a while. So um, yeah, are you worried about the effects of um, we saw on Havertz going forward, or are you relatively um, are you relatively not worried or untouched? Obviously, we have uh, top-tier medical staff. Um, so from that, his his long-term kind of health and being affected from it, um, no issues, because that's obviously the most important thing. Um, he had, uh, for someone who was obviously uh, suffered um, like properly adverse effects from COVID, unlike a lot of people, he was short of breath, um, respiratory issues, that's not that's not a bad performance um it's just unfortunate in regards to the timing it's come at a time where he's still finding his feet and he's still trying to kind of um make his mark on this team so um i just feel like it's slowed it's just kind of um slightly um derailed not even derailed just slowed down um the progress that he was he was slowly mm-hmm. making anyway so he just needs to build up that kind of credit um with um in terms of familiarity and that chemistry and i don't think it's it, i just think it's um, an inconvenience more than anything yeah. and um it's just something he will he will, he'll, he'll he'll bounce back from he seems very determined when he's given interviews and um like he's he's acknowledged the impact but he's very much focused on working hard and kind of getting back to where he needs to be I'm pushing on. Yeah. yeah, agreed, agreed. I think it's more than anything, it's, it's it's just annoying because, as you said, he was making small progress in adapting to his new role and adapting to the league, adapting to his new team, to his new teammates. And we, as we've spoken, we've been quite vocal about his performances that have been really good, even though they've gone under the radar. And it was just a shame that that um that uh, the effects of COVID have kind of like just put a damp on, on the on the small progress he was making. But um, yeah, as you said, I'm, I'm a similar vibe. I'm relatively unworried about Havertz. Um, hoping he can start to kind of really, really hit the, the ground running in the Premier League just to kind of show rival fans that, you know, we're not just chatting rubbish about him and that he's actually a good player. I think um, it's hard for him to hit the ground gone. running as well a little bit in terms of this eight role, because even though he's in the more attacking, some will say he's mm. in the more attacking um, role, of the two mids and out of him and Mount, I still think that number eight role is a very like all round role. In I terms agree. Of it's not just about it's not like a number ten where it's like focused on creativity or it's not like um, a false nine where you know you're there to kind of link up play and and get some goals for us because you're playing pretty much up top. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's like when you're playing number eight, he could hit the ground running, but you still might not see like. Tons of assists and tons of goals. Oh, 100 percent. When I say when I say hit the ground running, so it's got you. Um, I definitely agree with you and says that that number eight role yeah. is very all round. You're very much doing a lot, but I, I I believe you can you can very much when I say hit the ground running, you can control the whole game. Do you know what I'm trying yeah, to say? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, the yeah. likes of like David Silva, for instance, who played the number eight role, he controlled loads of games for City. Yeah. Whilst yeah, whilst Kevin De Bruyne was the X factor guy. David Silva will facilitate, control the game and, you know, just keep things sticking. And I think he's got the ability to really take the grip, take the game by the scruff of the neck and just control it with his, you know, with his athleticism, with his passing. He's got he's got the intelligence as well. He's such an intelligent player as well. So that's what I just want to see um, from, from, hopefully we see it from the Christmas period going on. Um, 
but yeah, um, Jay, you touched on um, earlier. You touched on the fact that we we weren't clinical. Um, so let's 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 speak on it. Let's speak on it. Let's speak on um, Timo Werner yeah. or Timo Werner, more like. Um, obviously, I know me and you are of the same view that you know Werner's he's he's a guy, and uh, we're not too too pressed, um, despite the poor finishing he's showing. Um, but yeah. What was your thoughts when you saw the mischances against Leeds? And um, do you think there's there's any cause for concern? Or is this just a little patch that he's going through? Because, I mean, he still, he still created a nice goal for Pulisic in the end. So, um, yeah, what, what, what was your thoughts on Werner's form at the moment and his game against Leeds? Yeah, like, not definitely not worried about him in terms of his his mentality and where he's at mentally with the whole thing. Because I feel like... It happened in Newcastle, and then at the end of the game, he breezes past three guys and creates a goal for Tammy. So, like mentality-wise, and and just where he's at mentally, just shows me a lot in terms of he can miss a lot of chances, but his head's not going down. Do you know what I mean? And then um, does the same against um, Leeds as well to kind of wrap up the game, which could easily, you know, it takes a second to score a goal that, that could easily end up two-two if they get a set piece or anything like that last minute so it's still an important goal it's still an important contribution from him and the same with Newcastle and the same with like even the stuff that he was doing at the beginning of the season where he was winning pens and not and not getting them and this is one of the reasons why I say like you know at the at the beginning he should have been on pens let your strikers take pens let your strikers take pens because because you see now that he's missed chances that figure is looking looking very low yeah Yeah. very low Mm -hmm. and where like where if he'd have taken those pens, for example, at the beginning, I know a lot of people might not think like this, but for me, I feel like... No, no, it's facts, it's facts. being on his stat sheet that he's already got seven goals because he probably gave away like three pens to Jorginho, I think. Him seeing that he's got seven, eight goals compared to four, I feel like he just he just knows that he's scoring goals mentally in his head. He knows that he's scoring goals. So it might yeah, not... Yeah, quickly, quickly. Let me just touch in there before I let you continue. Um, it, The fact about penalties, yeah, it's not... It's not. Um, it holds a lot of credibility because, for instance, take let's say Aguero. Let's say Aguero scores twenty five goals in a season. If you take away his pens, he might be on nineteen or he might yeah. be on eighteen. You know what I'm saying? So it it definitely holds weight. Yeah. But yeah, continue. But, um, but but to touch on his finishing and stuff like that, um, I've I've seen a lot of comments recently, like people saying that he done it a lot in Germany, and I, and I watched a few games after like with, with the restart, um, and I did see a couple games where he missed a couple sitters as well. And I thought to myself, all oh, right, like, is that just because he's come back from the restart or is it or is it something in his game? Like, I didn't know. I won't lie. I didn't know at all. And now a lot of people are telling me and a lot of pundits have been saying it that I've watched that team of Werner a lot saying, oh, like, this is this is nothing new. This is something mm. that he does. So for, for me, if it's something that he does and he still got to where he got to in Bundesliga. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know I'm saying if it's something that's just in his game, but he still managed to, to hit the levels of the Lewandowski's and of the world and that, then I'm not worried at all. Because then that it just means that he's gonna be doing the same thing over here. The only thing I say is that it's it's gonna be very frustrating if, say, for example, it's one-one against Man City and and that happens. That's yeah. where it's gonna get frustrating. But again, I don't think it's gonna be a thing where we're like, oh, we need to get rid or whatever. Mm. It's just gonna be it's going to be frustrating, but it, I'd like to see him improve it. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really worried about him at all. To be yeah, honest. yeah. Timson, what's your, what's your what's your thoughts? Yeah, Jay brought up a really good point there. Um, because he's already got um, the figures on the board in terms of goals, he's almost at double double figures. Um, 
it's not as bad. It doesn't. It's it's probably not playing on his mind. I've already got um I've already got goals in the bank. I'm not far off double figures. Let me just focus. I just feel like um we can just call this part of um some of his adjustment period and just um us as fans learning about his quirks. Whether um you can tell you're going to have a good game from Timo if um he gets a goal nice and early um and that just kind of settles him down. Or sometimes when it's not his night um he himself might have to look at it. It's not, it doesn't seem like it's my night. Let me see um, how, how much of a threat I can be uh, in terms of laying on a goal for someone else. Um, and when he kind of shifts focus where uh, he knows he's at an angle and he's not going to score, his um, creativity and his ability to look up and kind of um, make a chance or lay on an assist for somebody else has been really, really positive. So um, just taking that to account, no major, no, no, no major worries from me. Um, it's just one of the, it's just um, kind of as we adapt to Timo um, and Timo adapts to um, playing in this squad and obviously adapting to the league as well. I just think um, it's just one of the, it's just something that's um, going to come with him, his adjustment period. Yeah. Yeah. Just to clarify, um, Jay was talking about um, Timo's league figure, which is kind of low, but yeah, Timpson, you was talking about the overall all comps figure, which is still kind of high double figures, which yeah, is good. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, um, my thoughts is that, yeah, I'm Jay, you made a very good point about his mentality because we've watched strikers like Maratta where they're not on form, they're missing chances and their head just goes, it just goes down and they become completely ineffective and we just play with 10 men. But when, um, credit to Werner, in the games where he has missed chances, he's kept his head up, he's kept trying, and I love that about him. I really do. That's an elite mentality. You keep going. Yeah. And um, I always say this, Germans are made differently. Like, they've got this different type of, I don't know, this different type of breed. Like, men, they just keep going. Yeah, they're made differently. And um, I thought Werner, for the for the assist to Pulisic, was fantastic, just to burst past the defender and late on, because he could have easily been selfish and take, took it on himself, but had the awareness to lay onto Pulisic um, to seal the game. But as you said, um, it hasn't happened yet, but in the game where, you know, it's 1-1 and that's our only chance for us to take the lead, he needs to be taking those chances. And um, I feel like when that game comes, that's when, like, you know, they're gonna, the lights are going to be shining really, really bright. But um, for now, um, as it hasn't happened yet, let's just hope that it doesn't happen. And, um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say as well, like, it's difficult as well because if you think about it, you remember against Brighton when we were, we were looking toothless for a large mm. part of the game, the first game of the season, and then out of nowhere, Werner just puts on the burgers yeah. and wins us a pen. Mm-hmm. Liverpool, we're out of the game. Again, mm. out of nowhere, Werner wins us a pen. It's like, there's been times as well, though, where he has shown up when nothing else is happening. Do you see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, like, the people saying, like, he's not scoring goals or important goals or, you know, he's missing important chances or whatever, or, like, even what I said, like what happens when he misses important chances, he might miss the chances, but he also might create something out of nothing. Mm. And that's, that's what we've got in Werner. I think we've got mm. a kind of hybrid in a person that can, like he can create something out of nothing, but he can also, there, 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 there's a chance that you, you've seen him finish before. You've seen him um, finish off like some very good chances in terms of, um, you've seen him, sorry, with some very good finishes in, in the Bundesliga and, and even at Chelsea already, like, for example, against Tottenham in the Cup and stuff like that. Um, so you know what he's capable of. But again, like you said, it's just a thing of, of time and, and hopefully... Agreed. Can... Yeah, agreed, agreed. And you make some very valid points about those games whereby we weren't, nothing was going for us and he picked up the ball and made something happen. And I feel like that just shows that he has adapted fine, perfectly fine to the league. I feel like people like to, when it comes to new signings, 
Um, they like to put any little thing down to adaptation to the league, and it's not always the case. Like just because he's missing touches doesn't mean he hasn't adapted to the league. That that's just, that's one aspect of, of football. He's 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 showing that he's um, athletically there. He's showing that um, he has the X factor to kind of um, go past defenders. He's showing that he can make things happen in this league in terms mm. of like you know. Um, laying off that goal for Tammy, for example, when he sprinted past everyone. The same thing against Southampton. Um, he's got that X factor, like he showed against um, Southampton when he dummies a defender and goes solo, solo run and scores a goal. You know what I'm trying to say? So all these things, I think he's adapted perfectly fine. But yeah, that one aspect of finishing, and it's funny because obviously I didn't watch. Um, I would, I'm not gonna lie and say I watched um, Leipzig um, last season, but I did go back and watch all of Timo Werner's goals. And all of his goals for Leipzig were like emphatic finishes. So that was one thing I was like, okay, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, yeah, I'm still confident that 1v1, Vern, I, I'm confident that he's scoring. A lot of the chances he's missed, have they really been clear-cut 1v1s? No, not saying that that excuses it, but I believe that he, I still believe he's a clinical finisher. And I just think he's just, he's just going for a little a rough patch. But um, yeah, that's the final um, thoughts on Werner. Was there... Um, Timson, was there anyone else against Leeds that impressed you particularly um, before we move on from the game or are we good to go? Um, no, I think um, the defence I'll give like Zuma and Mendy kind of um, not a special shout out, but um, uh, well done to them for a, a lapse in communication led to the goal and um, they recovered from it. It didn't, it, it, they didn't just kind of, like if if that's a Kepa, you see him start flapping at crosses like he's trying to yeah. fly, um, yeah. and all sorts. But um, it, it happened. As far as mistakes go, it's not the worst kind of mistake uh, to make. So um, and the fact that they dealt with it. Um, but yeah, just overall in terms of the Leeds performance, it was really nice to hear uh, the likes of Patrick Bamford um, on a podcast talking about um, they were they got really, they got like a little, uh, a slight telling off in terms of the way they, um, they were outran and outperformed. And then obviously Calvin Phillips on a pod, on, on a separate kind of um, given a separate interview talking about um, how difficult it was in terms of mentally, in terms of how Chelsea, um, Chelsea controlled the game. They shifted the ball and um, they're running, they're running all over the shop. And then he looks over and he sees obviously his counterpart in Golo Kante. And it looks like Kante's not broken a sweat. And he just has this magical, uh, he just has this uh, innate ability to find himself at the right, in the right position at the right time to win the ball. Um, so it was nice that we kind of mentally broke down our opposition and um, disheartened them. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, you listen to some good podcasts, bro. You might have to, might have to put me on. But um, yeah, cool. Um, so quickly, before we move on from the Leeds game, that was a nice segment of the overall performance. But um just want to touch on, so early in the first half, just shortly after we get the goal, um, Hakim Ziyech pulls up with an injury. Um, obviously, to follow, uh, following on from that, Cho has come out this week, like Cho has also tweaked a hamstring. So let's focus on Ziyech for now. So obviously Ziyech is uh, pulled up um, and he's out for two weeks. I believe we have Wolves and Everton. Let me just double check that. So yeah, Everton on Saturday... And then, yes, Wolves in midweek on Tuesday. So games are coming thick and fast. Um, do you, are you guys worried about um, the, the loss of Ziyech um, for these two games in particular? I mean, personally, he's such a fantastic player. So I think I, I am a little bit worried, but it'll be interesting to know your thoughts. Um, Jay, you can start with that one. 
I think we're always going to miss Hakim Ziyech. And uh, I kind of knew this looking at the player that he was when he was coming in. Like, as soon as we lose him, we're going to lose a massive... There's, there's going to be like a massive gap in terms of what he does, his style of play, his left foot. Um, you're definitely going to miss it. But that being said, I think... Um, I've been impressed a little bit with sometimes seeing Werner on the right. So I've yeah, I'm, agreed. I'm kind of cool with seeing Werner on the right, like sometimes agreed. more than the left, because I feel like he's can just, be more direct and just simplify yeah, his game. Yeah. yeah, so I'm 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 cool with that. So if I was to see Werner on the right and Pulisic on the left, which is probably what it's gonna be, um, I wouldn't be too mad at it at all. And then we've also got the thing of like, let's not forget, I know we we love the 4-3-3 and it's definitely the formation that we should be using for the majority of the season. But let's not forget, we have rolled over teams in like a 3-4-3 three, three, um, and we've got the players to do it. Players, you could argue, with even a little bit more quality in terms of if you were to play Havertz and Mount just in behind, um, for example, Giroud or something like that in a 3-4-3, three, three, that yeah. could work. I know we've sure. tried yeah. it. I think we tried I can't remember who we tried it against. It, didn't, it wasn't the greatest. I think. Man United. Performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a great <clears throat> performance, but I think um, obviously there's always room for improvement and I just feel like we can cope. I think we can beat these teams. We've got enough quality even if we switch up the formation due to like not having enough wingers or whatever. Um, and I say that because I'm, I'm worried about Pulisic as well. I don't think we've got the, the most robust players like that yeah. are pulling in. Yeah, we'll get on to that one. Yeah, we'll get on to that one. We'll get on to yeah, that one. But, but, um, I do think um, we'll miss the edge, but I, I also think as well that like, we've got so much quality and depth at the moment in the squad. Mm. Um, even like a Billy Gilmore coming back and having that game against Krasnodar is going to be, you know, important. Like going into to these games in the in the in the December period. So yeah, as you said, because we've got so much strength and depth, it would be disappointing if we just capitulated just because of Hakim Ziyech. Yeah, as great as Ziyech is, and I'll probably our best player, it would be disappointing if that was the reason why we didn't beat Everton and Wolves, who are albeit um, we should be beaten. Um, so yeah, it would be disappointing if we didn't. And I feel like we can cope um, in those two games, um, in particular. Yeah, you just like to see someone like Pulisic take take take, take control. Yeah, take yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And um, um, with me, whenever I see players holding their hamstring, I'm always thinking, oh, four, five weeks, four, five, six weeks. But I'm happy it's early too. Um, Timpson, um, what are your thoughts on the ZH injury um, and whether we can cope or not? Yeah, um, I know we say we have strength and depth um, in most positions. Uh, if Ben Chilwell gets injured. We're back, to the, we're back to the Chuckle Brothers. Um, <laughs> it's true, it's true. <laughs> Hakim, if, Hakim Ziyech, um, if Hakim Ziyech kind of gets injured, it's a problem. Nobody else wants to, actually wants to play on that right-hand side. Yeah. And um, I know you said you're happy with Timo Werner on the right-hand side, um, which um, I would be okay with. I just did not... What concerned me was that Pulisic came on and... That he, I know, I know ZX drifts over, but he essentially within a minute or two had come over to that left hand side and essentially banished Timo Werner to that right wing. Just quickly, yeah, Pulisic does that all the time. Every time Lampard puts him on the right, he will banish the guy on the left and say, yeah, like the swap. He done it against, um, I think it's Seville, and he just does it all the time. Yeah, but yeah, continue, uh, Timson. Yeah, so I'm like, can you not play that? You, I'm sure you can. And then- <laughs> Even if, even if, like, it's not your strongest position.
Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job sites according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. When I spit bars in a rave, when I go hard, Or you're so adverse to it um, because it takes away from your game. Um, it goes back to it goes back to me when I me kind of um, questioning Lampard's selection of wingers. Like, surely you'd pick the winger um, who can play, who can do a job on both both sides mm. in case of an injury. If you're only going to have one winger on the pitch, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. But ultimately, I want Timo being able to kind of um, go on to his stronger foot. and. Um, Timson, you're a bit low, you know? Yeah, yeah, your tone went a little bit low. Yeah, sorry. Um, I'll move. How's that bell? Is that bell? Yeah, I think, I think that's all right. Yeah. So basically, um, it concerned me. Uh, um, it, concern, it concerned me that he was so quick to kind of shift and... Um, for the sake of balance, Timo had to kind of sacrifice his ability to get shots off on a regular basis on a stronger foot and um, be more of a facilitator on that right-hand side. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that kind of um, dynamic unfolds. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Callum Hudson-Odoi, he's picked up another um, hamstring injury. Um, this hamstring seems to be troubling him. I think um, even when he came back from his Achilles injury, he had a couple niggling tweaks in his hamstring. Um, and it's a shame because he probably would have come in and had some game time given ZH's injury, given, you know, Pulisic here and there. But um, that's neither here or there because Lampard has a mind of his own. But anyway, are we concerned about Cho's hamstring? Because he doesn't really seem to be able to just... I don't know. It's always, it seems to be... Not far away. If he's not starting, he's he's getting injured, and it's 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 I'm I'm really it's upsetting me because it seems like he can't really build up momentum, no matter how hard he tries. But yeah, Jay, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's the same worry for me. I think that with the injuries, I think it's a bit annoying because I'm thinking as well, like, is it a thing where it's probably better if he's getting some minutes rather than just being left out of squads? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, for these injuries, because it's like I don't know. Like, obviously, nobody knows. I'm not a physio, but it's, I don't know, man. Like, I'm just hoping that the ruptured Achilles isn't affecting his body in a way where it's, his body's like compensating in other areas, and that's why he's he's getting a lot of these injuries frequently or whatever. Um, so that's the, that's my only hope, really. I just hope it's not linked to anything to do with any previous effects of of 
you know, his severe injury that he had before. Um, but hopefully he gets rid of the niggles and that here and there. He did say in an interview not so long ago that, um, I think after the England game, so he said that he was, I think he said that he was like working back towards being 100% fit. So we'll have to, we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Tim, so what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, it's, I wouldn't say I'm as worried um, about Hudson-Odoi as I am with uh, Pulisic, potentially. Um, with Callum, it's more unlucky. Um, he's been fit for a lot of the season at the start when we had like a Ziyech and um, a Pulisic out and he wasn't given the opportunities. It's just a shame. Um, I'm hoping that he comes back. I'm hoping that he comes back from it and kind of um, has that opportunity to kind of stake stake his claim. Because for the most part this season, he's been relatively available from it. He's been mostly available for the game. So um, I think yeah, uh, let's true. get this let, let's get this out the let's get this hamstring out the way and look at it in isolation um, as opposed to kind of a series of. Um, recurring like niggles that has been keeping um has, has been keeping a, a player out no shade yeah definitely agree um timson mute was working a little bit yeah cool yeah definitely agree with that um i think you made a good point in the sense that um in isolation this is just one injury because um throughout the whole season hudson has actually been available he just hasn't been picked um so i think maybe i was looking a bit into too much into that injury i think um more often than not he is fit and um fit and ready it's just a shame that when um certain men are injured um he either hasn't been picked or he's picked up another injury too um so yeah um you touched on Pulisic um Lampard mentioned today um that Pulisic felt a little sunk in his hamstring but he's training okay um, look, another Pulisic injury is, is the last thing we need. Um, I think we've spoken on this podcast a lot about our our fears of him being pretty injury prone. Um, but yeah, we're going to need him big time for the next few games, and um, hopefully, it's just a, a little a minor little twig, and he'll he'll be fine for Everton. Um, because I think um, not having Ziyech, I think in terms of X factor, um, he's arguably. In terms of our attack, he's arguably the guy that can can bring that expector on 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 Saturday. So yeah, he's giving me Robin vibes, bro. Mm. I can't lie I've, to got, you. I've got a question. Let me go, Jay. Let me just um. Andre, continue. Yeah, no, nah, he's he's just giving me Robin vibes in terms of his injury, bro. Like honestly, remember when Robin started picking up them them injuries like on a regular? So he'd come in for like two, three, four games tear up the league, like, tear up the games and then injured, boom, gone. And then I just hope Pulisic is not one of those. And, and the thing with Pulisic is that he plays with so much aggression, so much intensity that like, my mind always goes back to the FA Cup final where he was running at the defence with so much aggression, so much intensity and then his hamstring just went. And like, that's Pulisic's game and yeah, as much, I love it as well. So I'm not, I can't say that, oh yeah, he needs to turn it down. No, because that's what he's good at and I love, and I love his aggression. I love his, in, his intensity. I'm just scared that if he has muscles that are as fragile as they seem to be, then yeah, we could, yeah, we, we might see him getting injured um, quite frequently. Um, Timson, what was your question? Uh, not even so much a question. It's just um, obviously the injuries are um, looking to be um, persistent, so that's a big problem. Obviously, um, 
But my thing is, when did he, like, I know he obviously smashed it in lockdown. Um, I know he smashed it in lockdown. Um, eight games, what, four goals, four assists, absolutely ridiculous. And it's that form that's put him ahead of Callum Hudson-Odoi and put him in high regard. Um, and there's nothing anyone can say about that. Um, prior to that, though, um, obviously 16 games, three three goals against Burnley, one goal uh, and two goals and two other goals and two other assists. So what is that? Um, five goals and two assists in 16 games. Yeah. Um, so that's two separate individuals, two separate kind of um, performances. Um, from. So not to be cynical, um, mm-hmm. how do we know that form that we saw in that lockdown period, especially given the injuries we've seen and the fact that if we look at it objectively, he's not done anything in this season's performances in isolation um, that make it undisputed that he should be starting ahead of Callum Hudson-Odoi. He's not done anything just yet. He scored the goal, um, but right now he's still live for me, he's still living off um, restart form. How do we not know that um, that was basically his peak, that those four goals and four four assists and the injuries are kind of masking that? I think I think beginning of the season, so from the but so take it back to the beginning of last season when he announced himself at Burnley, I think he did kind of go on a good run of games um in terms of performance. I remember thinking, okay, I like him. Like I, I do remember that. So this was this is way before lockdown. So I'm talking about the winter period between like October and December. I remember thinking, okay, cool, like he he's 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 here. Um Palace game, Watford game, obviously Burnley game. Um, and then when he got injured in December, we 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 missed him big time. We missed him because um, he got injured um, early December, and our and our results were, were poor. Like we looked very um, toothless. We looked like we had no X factor. I remember so that that was the one where we lost to West Ham. We lost to Bournemouth. Um, then we drew up Brighton on New Year's Day, and I think he came back for that game. And um, I think he got injured again. And then like yeah, we we I think I feel like we missed him in that little period. So. And to answer your question in terms of um, putting him why he's ahead of Hudson Odoi, um, besides from form, I feel like the club obviously they see him as the next superstar. Obviously, there's little things like him being given the number ten shirt, um, even the, the way we signed him in the sense that, like from the marketing perspective, he's American and that pushes out a whole other dimension. I feel like he is. Try- I feel like the club are trying to push him as the superstar type thing. But having said that. Um, obviously, we've signed ZH, Werner, etc. So that kind of um, overshadows him a little bit. But um, generally, I still feel like um, the club, not just Lampard, but the club um, in, as a whole, hold him in high regard. So regardless, I still feel like that plays a part in him being um, ahead of um, Hudson and, and coming straight back in in the equity sense. But um, in, in terms of your question is, how do we know that this is not, um, it was an isolated form? I... I don't think it was. I felt he showed enough um, in the winter months to show that he ha- that he can sustain the form, in my opinion. Um, and don't get it twisted. Um, there are parts of Hudson's a game, Hudson Odoi's game, as a as a out and out winger that I prefer to Pulisic. I prefer. I think Pulisic is more for forwards. He's going to get you the goals. And um, don't get me wrong, Pulisic can do wing play as well, but I think Pulisic is a is a really good because he's because he he's so selfish and he loves to score goals and he's very aggressive. I feel like um, I see him as like more of a forward, and then I, I like Hudson Odoi's wing play a bit better. 
But um, that aside, I feel like um, I feel like he showed enough in the winter months to show that the form in the lockdown period wasn't just temporary. Um, and that if he can get over the injuries, he will be a big player in the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, Jay, you can comment on that quickly before we move on, if you want, yeah. or if you have anything to say. Yeah, no, no. With Pulisic, I think it is a thing where the, he does have these periods where the games just go by him. So, like, it's not a thing. Like, there are they, there were a lot of games at the beginning where he kind of was like just running about. That's what it looked like. It, it like very early on, he was running about. Sometimes he was doing a couple cute turns here and there, beating his man maybe. But like, um, nothing was really coming of it. And so, there were a lot of questions out, even from myself. But I, I did always believe that Pulisic was a very good player, though. Um, just from looking at the way he played ball, like his ability on the ball, his dribbling ability, like I just, I did see something there. So. I was happy when he started scoring, like you said, against Burnley, Watford, Palace. But the one thing I thought was consistent about him was the kind of goals that he scored against Palace and Watford. And he'd done it again against Leeds, um, most recent. Um, I think that's where you're going to see the best of Pulisic. I think his determination to get into the box and get on the end of things is where we're going to see the best of Pulisic. Even though, like you said, he can do the dribbling like he did against Liverpool when he came on with Hudson in that 5-3 loss. And he just dribbled, he kind of just dribbled, bulldozed his way almost kind of through three, four guys and put it, put it on a plate for Tammy. And then in the same game, he get, he receives it on the swivel and he just bangs it top bins. That kind of stuff is, that's quality, do you know what I mean? So I think with Pulisic, you do have to still be patient with him as well. Like he's still a young player, very young player. Had And his, his season hasn't been easy as well, like in terms of since coming, he's been injured and coming in and out of the team and stuff like that as well. So I don't think it's fair on Callum. I do think Callum's done enough to, 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 be, to be starting ahead of him. But again, when you look at what Pulisic has, has done, even though it's been broken up into to bits and pieces, I think it is enough to, to kind of place him ahead of him from, from from a club's perspective and, and in some ways from a manager's perspective as well. But again, my view is Hudson should obviously be starting at the moment for whatever reason he's not. Um, and things like Pulisic scoring against Leeds is just going to make it worse, to be honest with you, because that's what he did last time and that's how he got into the team. And I feel like as long as Pulisic is doing that, he's, it's going to be very hard to dislodge him. And I'll just come back on what um, like both of you said in terms of Shemi, you said um, when he scored the hat-trick against Burnley and he kind of went on that run and he was missed. Um, I don't think the performances before lockdown were so amazing that there was there was still an ongoing debate in terms of, oh yeah, Pulisic or Hudson-Odoi. I don't think. And then obviously you said that he got injured and we missed him. I think that was exacerbated by the lack of quality we have. If that happened now. Yeah, um, definitely. I think that's, uh, I think, I think the impact is minimized because we've got so much. So much quality, yeah. So it was so it wasn't until, in my opinion, the restart form where he was absolutely amazing that it became, yeah. Pulisic, Werner and Ziyech when when they come in or maybe Tammy and Timo and Timo on the left that's when he kind of head and shoulders above before that lockdown period I don't think any even if you look at his good performances um Burnley and where where he scored I don't think he was putting out performances 
like the lockdown performances where you can say head and head and shoulders above Callum Hudson Odoi. So this season, so I'm saying, um, I'm saying obviously, so we're looking at two samples that pre pre lockdown and post lockdown where he was amazing, but he's still for me riding the wave of that post lockdown because this season he's not done anything. I know he's had obviously an injury hit season, um, but so, but which makes it even clearer that he's riding the waves of his, of his lockdown form. So he's not done anything for me this season that says, yes, he should be starting. And for Frank Lampard, who says it's a meritocracy, it comes across as a little bit hypocritical, like it's one rule for some, for some and one rule for the other. Because if you're, if you're, if you're talking about playing on merit, you can't tell me that Callum Hudson-Odoi is training really well, doing everything you want him to do. Oh yeah, but Pulisic is not is literally just walked off the the medical table. Um, in you go to the onto the bench at Spurs. Callum, we'll see you at home, kind of thing. I think. And then when we talk about the and then just one more thing, when we talk about the um, the goal against Leeds, obviously that's going to count against Callum and it's going to count for Pulisic's loads. But in my opinion, I'm looking at that as one-one because my guy Callum did. Neat, neatly score in the Champions League, and he was left out of the the, the Spurs game. So where where how where's the equivalent? Where, where's the equivalence there? No, I yeah, I hear I hear you with that as well. Because like even against West Brom as well, comes on changes the game. Like it's it's um it is it's it's a it's a shambles for me in terms of the way it's been dealt with. I think again, I agree with you, Hudson. In terms of right now this season, in terms of what Pulisic has done when he's come on for his little cameos, he hasn't done anything. I've not even been impressed with what he's done like when he's come on. Um, especially because I think that's more as well because, and I think Shemi would agree as well, We because you know what he's capable of when watching him on the back end of last season, when you see him do what he's doing in these little cameos recently, you're like, nah, this ain't it. I need like I need much more if you're going to be starting. Do you see what I'm saying? And I agree with you like now as well with the quality that's in there. He has to raise his level again. Like it can't, it can't drop because last year it could drop because... Like you said, you're competing with Willian, Pedro, them kind of guys. Now you're competing with Werner, Ziyech, Havertz. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, he is going to have to get to that level. I don't think it's going to be a thing where he can stay at like, an, like a, you know, a mediocre level and, and stay in the team. I'd be very surprised if that happens, considering the person that kind of that Lamp, Lampard is in terms of he wants to be a winner. He wants the best players on the pitch. You can't be con- continuously playing like that. But... Pulisic, at the same time, Pulisic has a lot of games like that where he looks average throughout like a, a large part of the game, but then bang, he'll just score. And that's the problem. That's what you're dealing with. That's the only thing that is, is difficult about the situation. Pulisic, he has a lot of games like that where he's just like average for the game and then he'll just score a goal that's like important and you're just like, oh, wait, I'm not, I'm not getting to the team now. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, How yeah. do we know that we haven't already prematurely accepted that post-lockdown Pulisic um, perform, form is his base. Fam, it, remain, it remains to be seen. So, yeah, That's we just need... I just, I just want the fan base to kind of have an open mind in terms of we, when we, like what we're seeing and what we saw in the first half of last season and the post-lockdown stuff. I mean, let's just look at it as like, let's just take it all in because we've mm. seen like three different sets of Christian Pulisic right now, but I feel mm. like we're judging him and justifying his selection with obviously the the, the, the post-lockdown, which is obviously his best his best sample. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It remains to be seen, bro. It remains to be seen. He's going to have, hopefully he has a full season um, of limited injury so we can fully, fully analyse um, 
him and whether he deserves um, his place. Um, but yeah, let's um, before we wrap up, let's just quickly um, talk about Everton and just quickly go through um, who you guys would play against Everton and your predictions, and then we'll wrap up there. So um, yeah, Jay, you can you can start on that one. Um, so against Everton, obviously I'll go I'll go four three three again. Um, I'd I'd like to stick with obviously the same back line in terms of Chilwell, Thiago Silva, Zuma, um, Reese James, who by the way has probably been our player of the season so far. Um, Men- Mendy obviously in goal. Midfield. The midfield I'd actually keep it the same as um, Leeds, so I'd go with Havertz again. I don't think we should be dropping Havertz anytime soon. I think we need to get as many minutes in, in, in him as possible. Um, there's a possibility it might not happen. because Actually, no, Kovacic played. He started the game as well in midweek. So I think Havertz is going to play. Um, but I'd, I'd start Havertz and Mount in there with Kante, obviously. And then I'd go with what I said I wouldn't mind seeing, which is Werner on the right to kind of try and kill Everton with that, with that pace. I think Luka Dean's out at the moment. I'm not too sure. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they've got a couple like big injuries in terms of like their fullbacks, and I think their fullbacks are really important for their team. And I think Coleman and and Luca Dean, I, I'm 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 pretty sure they're not fit for the game, but I'd have to double check. But I think that's that's areas where we can exploit. So I'd like to see Werner and Pulisic really kind of dominate those areas of the pitch and um, kind of bring it home for us, really. And then obviously Giroud is on form. It goes without saying that he starts. Um, yeah, and I think I think we can win that game. I think it could be like a, a kind of a statement game again, similar to like the Conte season when we when we battered Everton at the, at the bridge. Obviously, only this time it will be, at, um, I think it's at Goodison Park, isn't it? So um, last season we lost that game. I think we lost that game pretty badly, didn't we? Or was it? Yeah, draw? that we lost three um, one. Duncan Ferguson's first yeah. game in charge, and that was when it kind of started to tail off. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, we the, just lost the City, and then we lost Everton, then we lost exactly. uh, West 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 Ham, and them. Yeah. Exactly. And for me, I feel like this game is a bit of a, like it sounds weird, but it's like putting down a bit of a marker because I think let's not forget Everton started off really well. They've mm. had a lot of good signings come in. Ancelotti's their manager. Um, I just think just dealing with them convincingly will be just a good, a, a really good victory as if to, to to say like, you know, we're trying to just steamroll anyone at the moment. And yeah, if we can get another three goals on the, on, on the board as well, that would, that would just be good in terms of our goal scoring prowess this season. But um, yeah, I think we just got to deal with Calvert-Lewin and um, Richardson really well, especially in the air. I think this is going to be a very different game to what we've been dealing with recently, because even though we've dealt with balls coming into the box and that, Calvert-Lewin is one of the best headers in the league right now in terms of offensive headers. Like it, his leap is crazy. His movement is, is improved. His finishing is improved. I think it's going to be a massive test for someone like Thiago Silva, where even though he is good in the air, I'm pretty sure Calvert-Lewin is going to have the leap on him. Might not have the leap on Zuma, so it will be interesting to see who picks him up. But um, yeah, I'd just like to see us nullify Richardson and... and um, and Calvert-Lewin, and I'd like to see Kante deal with Hemmers if he's playing as well. Simpson, let's get your lineup. Um, yeah, go on. Yeah. I think at this point, the goalkeeper and the back four um, pick themselves at this point. Um, yeah, Angola Kante, undroppable. I 
pretty much um, agree with starting Money Mace and Kai Havertz, um, just for that sophistication and then that quality as he be, as he as he kind of recovers and we pump in as many minutes as we can for Kai, and then um, I like what I would like to see. Um, obviously, what I, what I would like to see would probably um, obviously with players unavailable, it's got to be. Pulisic who will be on the left because it looks like he looks very very uncomfortable um, anywhere else so Timo Werner on the right and obviously the man at the moment as far as our centre forwards go um, I think Tam I think Reese James um, having uh, will just add an, uh, another body to his resume in terms of pocketed attackers um, this time he's, 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 he's going South American um, it'll be interesting to see I think it'll be interesting to see James Rodriguez, who's very much tailed off, um, kind of see what he does against a Ben Chilwell, but see if he can, if he has the defensive nows to keep up with Ben Chilwell, because Chilwell is going to be a problem on the opposing side. Then obviously, as Jay said, um, Kazuma is um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's one of the most, um, he's the best one of the, he, if he, at the moment, he's probably the best attacking forward in the Premier League. So it'd be nice. So it, it's imperative to have Kurt Zuma's aerial prowess to kind of combat that, as well as Ed, Edward Mendy also being an option to come out and claim crosses. Then we also have kind of what's going to happen if he does go, if kind of Ancelotti goes with a back free system. I mean, um, is Alex Awobi going to be a problem? Um, I'd assume Mason Mount would kind of, if Mason Mount would kind of um, have to kind of deputise. The core is always an issue um, with his surgeon runs. Uh, how do we, how, how do we bypass Allen? It's uh, a lot of interesting matchups, I think, but um, I think with the quality we have going forward, um, I can only see Timo Werner and Christian Pulisic eating up Ben Godfrey, um, Ben Godfrey and, um, and the like so um, I think it'll be a good tactical affair for the first 10-15 and then um, I think the quality the cream will the, the, the superior quality and the cream will rise to the top yeah I, I agree with you a lot in terms of your lineups and your starting lineups um, 100% um, Tim C made a very good point about the fullbacks um, I watched the, I watched a bit of Everton recently and they have and Hamas Rodriguez and Charleston have no interest in following their um their man backwards, especially Hamas Rodriguez. So um if we could um get impose ourselves and get our fullbacks into the game, dominate the ball, um, I think we could be in for some goals here, especially in the wide areas. Um, um I think I'm I'm fairly confident in our defense in holding up Richardson from the crosses and um his leap um touch wood. Um, and yeah, as long as we can be clinical, I think we will we'll win the game um, quite comfortably. I think we can um, and put, a, put a statement of intent out there. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, unless there's anything else anyone wants to say, I think we're, we're done for the week. Gents, it's been a pleasure. Jay, always good to have you on, bro. Um, Timson, love for today, bro. Um, and yeah, guys, be sure to ask us um, or use the hashtag and yeah, we'll be back next week. Peace. Just bring it up by Oh, that's a
ranting, doing the most. True say that money is power, so when you get money, keep quiet and ghost, ghost. I remember when I shot my shot, but I didn't have guts, so I hit the post. But next time it's a golden goal. And it Sports Social Podcast Network.